But when the seven-year-old makes a mistake with the two-year-old, I also need to realize he's seven and kind of just calm myself and realize the situation I've put him in um, and talk to him about it. This podcast episode is part four in a six-part series focusing on SEL in schools. Our topic today is supporting families during the pandemic, coping with stress, anxiety, and grief. Tech Talk for Teachers. You want to practice? Tech, tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Education, Education is our passport to, to the future. future. All right, our quote today is from two people, actually. We have a combo quote from Gloria and Patty, two leaders from the Parent Institute for Quality Education. So Patty starts out saying, our secret sauce to supporting family engagement is building parents' knowledge and skills in ways that honor their strengths and are personalized and continuous. And Gloria, the CEO and president, responds, it's also without judgment and in a language that they understand, recognizing that families are doing the best under extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, I mean, families are doing their best. And this really brings to light just how important it is to make support family-centered, not school or organization-centered. So we need to meet families where they are, not where we want them to be, (laughs) because we are the ones that need to adjust and provide support, um, not the other way around, which... I do know takes a tremendous amount of energy and effort. And I've been really impressed with the fact that there are many places I'm seeing doing just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were reading that quote, Paul, it really made me think of that word grace that we're hearing a lot because we know it's so important that we extend it to ourselves and to our students. We really need to be given and to extend grace, patience, and and kindness, because we are, we're all trying to do the best we can in these extra extraordinary times. I mean, students, families, educators, all of us are trying to do that. It actually reminded me of another quote by Robin Williams. Everyone is fighting a battle we know nothing about. Be kind always. So that's a spectacular quote. I do you never that. you never know what's going on in somebody else's life, and everybody has a story at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate the generosity and kindness of our guest, Sheree uh, Spencer, Social and Emotional Learning Coordinator from Galveston, Texas, who is joining us again this week to continue this so important conversation. Sheree loves you. Paul really enjoys your name. <laughs> Yeah. In the past episodes, we discussed educator self-care and mental health of students. Today, we're going to really focus our conversation on how to help families who are also, of course, facing stress during hybrid learning, remote learning, and that shifting between the various models of learning this year. So thank you again, Cherie, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is exciting stuff. So actually thinking about today, I am a family member who's experiencing stress at the moment, (laughs) but just thinking, so maybe I'll get some great tips today. So thinking about how can we help support families, um, help keep them motivated to engage in learning or support their students to engage, engage in learning when there's just so much going on. So I think it goes back to what we could do for kids too and what we need for ourselves. So think of yourself as an adult 
And what do you need? It's probably the same thing your families need. Um, they need to be listened to. They need um, lack of judgment. Now is not the time um, to judge somebody's ability or what you perceive inability uh, to support their child during this time. They really just need for you to come and comfort them and listen to them first. Not listen to respond, but listen to empathize, um, to validate how they're feeling right now. And then possibly connect them with another parent that's feeling the same thing. Um, and so creating this kind of support group um, with your families, I think would be huge. Being vulnerable. Um, as teachers, we sometimes, our educators like to keep our personal feelings and we've been taught that our personal lives aside. Um, but I think at this time, it really opens up for us to uh, share something common. We're all going through this, like that quote that you just read that we've never gone through before. Um, and so we're probably feeling a lot the same. So don't judge, listen to them and check in on your parents like you would check in on, on your kiddos. That makes me think about, I know, so part of my role is being a coach. And when I'm talking or coaching, it's not about giving an answer. It's just listening, paraphrasing what's being said. And it's amazing how when you just paraphrase and say something back, more for understanding, that you'll even get more information and they'll feel really heard. So that's just a great strategy I feel like I could be using with families <laughs> as well. Yeah. And when you engage in a conversation, it's okay to ask somebody what, what, who do you need me to be in this? Do you need me just to be a listener? Do you need me to be a problem solver alongside of you? What do you need me? How do you need me to show up? Um, and ask that question so then you could be who they need you to be at that time. So what if they come to you and say, what I need you to be right now is somebody to give me a few ideas for what I can do at home with my kids. What should we, what should we share back? I think the same thing with parents. One you need to structure your day with your children. You need to give them the brain breaks. Don't think they're going to sit there for 30 minutes and engage in some kind of education platform that you as a parent might not even know anything about. Um, so be graceful, chunk their days out. Um, maybe chunk their days out to where it's chunked with your work schedule, especially if you're like me where you're working from home and trying to educate children. Um, it's tough. So just tell them one to be graceful with their kiddos. Try to be calm and use that voice and in, in that loving and caring piece that they have. Um, but routine it, routine it. And it's okay to tell your child you don't know. Because um, we probably don't <laughs> a lot of times, right? Well, I'm thinking about there's a lot of families where maybe the adults are actually working or unable to be home. And we have situations where young students are home alone or with an older sibling, or maybe they are that older sibling taking on the responsibility of a caretaker. Or we have students that are in daycare or with maybe even grandparents who might not even speak English. There's so many different situations. So for Kind of those students who are taking on more of those adult responsibilities, how might we support them and those families? Well, when I would tell the parents to be honest, now is a time to be open and honest with the educator. If you are a working parent and your child is at home being the parent of the littles or is with the grandparents, tell the teacher that so then the teacher can work with you on due dates and turn in times. And maybe the teacher can then Zoom with your child for 30 minutes of that day while your mom or your dad is out 
which kind of gives the grandparent a little bit of a relief while the child's in Zoom. Um, but teachers are super flexible, super creative. Um, so as a parent, I would say, tell the teacher, be honest about your, your structure and your routine at home so that teachers can adapt to the best that they can um, to support you. And for those kids that are raising other children, I think as parents, we need to own that and say, okay, I know I do it. I have a seven-year-old and I'm asking my seven-year-old to watch a two-year-old, which doesn't make sense in the normal world. But at the same time, (laughs) I need to give myself grace and be like, it's okay. This is what I need. But when the seven-year-old makes a mistake with the two-year-old, I also need to realize he's seven and kind of just calm myself and realize the situation I've put him in um, and talk to him about it. You know, I was thinking about the teacher, the opportunity that we could have of reaching out and asking the questions, you know, instead of counting on the parent, maybe communicating with us, us opening the door for that communication so that because parents may not know that that's welcomed information or important information. So if we could be intentional about asking, I think could help. Yeah, Rem, reminds me of another um, comment in that article that we opened up with. Um, one of the persons in the interview said, we have been first responders. This is like an emergency teaching situation. And first responders, it was really about reaching out. How are you doing? <laughs> what do you need? And then telling them how to use the technology too, because they they were like, if they didn't, if they had a technology gap, they were really disconnected and at a, at a loss. And it, it ma- makes me think about how this is, this whole thing has become an equity issue in so many ways, you know, access to technology or even just access to a day that's normal for the kids without, a, you know, we're not disparaging working parents because we are, I mean, that's what we're doing, but those kids now at are at a different advantage, maybe is a better way to say it. We like to call it an opportunity gap. Yeah, The opportunities are different for each child and each person um, based on where you're at. Is it Mars, those hierarchy of needs? I just think like that was the first thing we need to assess. <laughs> like we, we can't expect kids to be fully engaged in learning if those basic needs aren't being met. So I think that's so important to keep in mind. I'm, I also am wondering, um, thinking of social media and as a parent, a lot of people use social media to kind of reach out, find groups, but how do you, you know, support, like, yes, engage in social media, but not have that turn into something very negative, or then it causes anxiety and stress and turns into something very negative? <laughs> I think you need to limit the time your child is on social media or even on electronic. And I know that can be very hard. <laughs> I know it is not easy to take an electronic away from a child, um, especially when now it's somewhat become our babysitter, especially for work. I know for me, Um, As we speak, my child is on electronic so that I can work. Um, But knowing that when I get off of here, we've already had a previous conversation that has said, okay, you've been on the whole time mommy's been at work and you're to get off when I get off. But that's a conversation that was had ahead of time versus just pulling the plug. Um, Social media, like you were saying, could be a pro and a con. It could be really great platform for support and groups and sharing of stories but I think it's also talking to your, your child about social media necessarily isn't all facts. 
Um, and you can have some falsehood in there and people pretending that their life is one way when it's the other. And you need to be aware of that and come in with that lens when you're reading through those things. Um, also, as a parent, sit in there with them. Listen to what they're talking about and what they're doing. Educate yourself. Yeah, we've uh, even playing games, <laughs> I think, among us. If you don't know what that is, you're out of the loop. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you're not among us if you don't know among us. <laughs> and I actually, I've seen a teacher like take that and actually use it in their classroom as a fun game. But even I, instead of like getting so angry, I was like, you know what? Instead, I'm going to get on here and play with them and talk and like sit next to them and play with them. And it changed the entire experience. And I think we've talked about like the difference between active and passive screen time. I'm also wondering, though, like using that information to set as an adult, as a parent engaged in like a parent <laughs> group or something like the same things need to be applied. Yeah. And I want to say in one of our previous episodes, Pam, it might have been you that mentioned it, that you can also turn the social platform into something positive by rephrasing positive things on social media and not getting so drenched in on the negative and the complaints but giving a solution to the complaints or giving a positive statement within that so that it does turn the, turn the switch. Then, uh, I mean, how amazing to get on and play with your kids. That in itself is role modeling <laughs> and teaching them, like, what does it sound like and what should we be doing on these platforms? So I think that's cool. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I want to know who won. Oh, they're very quick games and different people win all the time. I don't know. You're avoiding the question, Rena. <laughs> I lose sometimes and I've won a couple of times. <laughs> but then you could role model. What does it look like when I lose on a social media platform <laughs> or video <Yeah>. games? <laughs> and then we actually took the, what I loved about it, because I knew it was going on. We took that virtual game and we went outside and we created like a real game and we had stations with like real balls. So we had like, because in this game, these little characters have to go different, do different tasks. And yes, there's another little guy coming around trying to like kill people before they finish the task. But we, <laughs> we, we actually created tasks outside, and then we put our little numbers in a hat, and we figured out who the imposter was. They knew, and so they would go around and secretly tag people. But we had to get all the tasks done before, and it turned into like an awesome game we play outside. So super fun. What a way to create like family dynamics and relationship. It makes me think of the Oreo commercials that are out now because of COVID where families are having fun and turning their carpets into surfboards and playing the Oreo down the face. But use this time to embrace your kids and have fun with them. Isn't the goal of Among Us to find the imposter, right? That's, mm -hmm. Yes. That's yes. Thing. It's like Clue for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> Takes me back a little bit. Huh? Um, I have a teacher, a science teacher that I work with. He made an Among Us like social mixer to start his uh, Google Meet classes where somebody was the imposter and the rest of the class had to figure it out. And they, so they made it a really positive kind of a class experience. Yeah. My, my third grade teacher does the same thing. She like learns about her students, like gets information and then she goes, okay, who's the imposter? And she'll be like, this person yeah. likes Oreos or this. And then they have to guess who the imposter is, but it's like oh, a fun, fun game for them to get to know each other. But they they were like in on what was cool, so good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, yeah. You need you need as educators, you better stay in tune on what your kids are into. <sighs> you know what else is cool? Our SEL toolkit. Yes, it is. We should call it a cool kit. 
Yeah. <laughs> Our toolkit, cool kit. Toolkit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So Cherie, what uh what can we add to our, our bag of tricks this week? So for parents, I would say just being open and honest with your teacher about your struggles, what you need support in so they can in return support you. Um, Another thing is get outside like we talked about, get some fresh air. We're so cooped inside of our building or in our homes. Um, The fresh air is really important for um, anxiety and just calming yourself. Another one is do routines, create a routine with your child simultaneously so we're both doing the same thing at the same time and be graceful which i think was talked about at the very beginning with your kids and with yourself give yourself an okay it's okay to get frustrated it's okay to be upset but it's what you do after that that really matters um so yeah there's a couple of things it's time for that one thing So as we think about our conversation with Cherie today about supporting our families, what's your biggest takeaways, Paul and Rena? I just love the word grace. And I also liked earlier how he said, you know, stop judging families. Because even sometimes when we, we have to consciously think about that, I might catch myself being like, uh, and then I'm like, what, who am I to, to judge? And I don't know, like the Robin Williams quote. So to actively catch myself when I, my thinking is not how I want it to be and to change it. I think that's really important with dealing with families and back to grace again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking back to what you said about find out what parents need and what they want when you have that conversation. Um, Maybe they just want to talk and your role is to listen, or maybe they do ask you for some, some help along the way and then have a few things in your back pocket that you can offer as, as suggestions like the routine at home, give the students a small chore. And then when they do it well, praise them, make a positive experience at home. Can I just point out, I, I, I want to, there is a very positive thing I ha- I've been talking to teachers about is because of the use of technology and the more comfort with it. I actually feel like they are talking to families more than ever. I know during conferences, since they were virtual, we had higher participation than ever before. And um, that's something I'm hoping they were like, do you think we can still use Zoom to talk to parents? I'm like, I don't see why not. Like, no matter whether you're in person or not, it's it's been nice. So I, in some ways, they are talking more than ever. I've heard the exact same thing. My, my teachers, my teachers yeah. mm-hmm. they've never had such great turnout for parent teacher conferences. And they also want to continue that. And I've got some that are already doing it this spring, just on the spur of the moment when they need to, instead of a phone call, they're, they're connecting on a Google meet or something like that. Yeah. That opportunity to connect makes me think of what um, really resonated with me. Cherie is when you said, we all want the same things. We want to be heard. We want to have a response that is empathetic and kind. And so if we can give that to each other, um, students, parents, educators, that grace. For sure. And another thing we want is we want to thank our special guest today. Cherie, thanks again mm-hmm. for being with us. We really we really love having you on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you guys for having me. And we want to remind our listeners that Cherie will be back again with us next week Yay. for part five in our six-part series. So, uh, Cherie, until next week, see you later. All righty. Bye, guys. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us for the first and third Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central for a live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.